Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the podcast that has a comfortable yet inexpensive seat on the Julian Green hype train. It's the Peachtree Post. Alongside Jason Longshore, I'm Jarrett Smith. You can find us online. Jason Longshore can be found on Twitter at Longshore. You can read his stuff over at Dirty South Soccer, our uh, foster home that has taken us in so willingly. You can find me, Jarrett Smith, Jarrett underscore Smith tonight, taking a look at... The expansion priority draft coming up this weekend, including a shiny new coin, which you can go see on Dirty South Soccer. Take a look at the MLS stretch run, the U.S. national team, and uh, some possibly breaking news. Hashtag Argentine football player watch for Atlanta United. Yeah. We got to get it going early, man. Get it going early. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to have to work on that hashtag. It's a little long, I know. I got to shorten it somehow. Um, but how's it going, Jason? It's good. It's good. Uh, lots of stuff going on. I'm glad that we're going to get to this wacky expansion priority draft and get it out of the way because this thing has generated a ton of questions and it's just the craziest stuff to try to explain. Yeah, I was about to say, since this is like trying to explain or trying to read Shakespeare for the first time, Jason, if you want to give us the explain it like I'm five version. <laughs> Shakespeare would not be where I would go with it. I would probably go with like trying to explain SpongeBob SquarePants to someone from Russia because it just makes no sense. It's just ridiculous. That might actually fit for them. <laughs> yeah. gonna, I mean, there, there's actually a theory that SpongeBob is um, part of a nuclear test. Oh my god, I, I had no idea about that. There's a nuclear test under the sea. Oh, wow. and that's the end result. Well, there you go. So, okay, that's a bad analogy too. Um, I'll come up with a new one for next week. Yeah, that's fine. Just uh, <laughs> let's just go. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All so expansion priority draft. Uh, the way this is going to go down on Sunday, it's going to be part of the pregame show on YouTube on the MLS YouTube channel. Sunday is all the Eastern Conference teams will play at three o'clock. All the Western Conference teams will play at five o'clock. It's the next to last week of the regular season. So lots of playoff stuff, lots of uh, jockeying for position. So MLS is making a big deal about it, and they've decided to include the priority draft in this. So the way this is going to go down, uh, the shiny coin that was referenced earlier that has Atlanta United's logo on one side and the Minnesota United logo on the other side is going to be flipped by, uh, I think, the deputy commissioner of the league. Uh, I guess we couldn't get the Don for this one. And yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, but this is a big deal, Don. Come on, don't worry about it. Oh man. Um, okay, so they're gonna flip the coin. Whoever's, I'm guessing, whoever's side is up will get to choose which of the six player acquisition methods they want to prioritize. Um, 
the, those methods are the expansion draft itself, which will be in December, the super draft of college players, which will be in January, the waiver and reentry draft, which will be in December, I think after the expansion draft, if I'm not mistaken, um, the player allocation ranking, which will go into effect after the season is over, and that's uh, where Atlanta and Minnesota will be slotted into it. The USL, NASL player priority ranking, which is about as silly as it sounds. And the discovery player ranking, which is even sillier. So don't worry about the... Seriously, go read these. Yeah, just, okay. Let's... Now no, that go, we've, go, go online and read them if you have <laughs> Go read it, please. And then come back. And this is what we're going to do. The Discovery Player Ranking and the USL NASL Player Priority Ranking, we're going to leave those over to the side. Those are the last two things that should be picked, and it doesn't really matter. And if you accidentally pick the wrong one like Jason Christ did a couple of years ago, it doesn't matter. It's okay. <laughs> if, you don't know one, if you don't know them from each other, that's kind of okay. No one's going to get hurt. It really doesn't matter. There, There's four pieces here that are pretty useful and we'll kind of go back to front. So the, the waiver and reentry draft one is the, the least important, but it is a step above the, the two useless ones because the reentry draft especially can be pretty valuable. Um, I've mentioned it a couple times where DC United, like basically rebuilt their roster from their awful 2013 season to their really good 2014 season by the re-entry draft where they picked up uh, Fabian Spindola, they picked up Sean Franklin, they picked up Bobby Boswell, like three big pieces in that re-entry process. So that one's useful. It's not as useful because Atlanta and Minnesota will pick at the bottom of it. So, I mean, you're still going to pick after all of the existing teams, but yeah, that's a good one. And you get, to, if you want to be a spot up, okay, that's cool. Not a huge deal. So that's, that's your number four pick five and six don't really matter. The top three is where it gets interesting, and there's a lot of different opinions about it. The expansion draft, the super draft, and the allocation order. So for me, the most important thing here is the super draft. Yep. I think that's where you get the the most sure bit of talent. And if you look at 2014, look at how Orlando and New York City shook out, the top pick in the expansion draft was Donovan Ricketts from Orlando, who was later traded when their other goalkeeper, Tally Hall, got healthy. And they flipped the pick a couple times that they got. And they, they drafted Haji Berry, I think, 13th this past year. So, yeah, not bad. Um, the allocation order can be a good deal, depending on who you're looking at. NYCFC grabbed it second in 2014 so they could sign mixed disc rude which was a good idea at the time it hasn't worked out hey look in their defense a lot of people around the world were looking at mixed disc rude for different amounts of money totally. but like he was yeah he was a worldwide thing back then i'm not saying yeah. like real madrid was trying to get him but like you had teams around the world like yeah we'll take him yeah it wasn't a bad thing at all um it just didn't work the the allocation order right now probably the most likely guy to come to mls uh, in the very near future would be tim Ream who would be a part of that process. So if you think you can get Ream and you really highly value Ream, that could be a good way to go. The super draft is where, where I'm looking though. That's, that's where I think you can either 
get a big talent like a Jeremy Ebobese? Uh Ebobese is, you mean the future star striker of Atlanta? Then yes, absolutely. It, Who I will buy his kit if that happens. Yeah. And if, I am on record. I will buy that kit in a heartbeat. Well, there you go. Um, I, I would keep him, but you could also even look at, because he's so hyped right now, if you get that first pick in the Super Draft, that could be a valuable trade you know, trade bait as well. If you wanted to go down that road, if you thought, well, I can get forwards other places, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to shop this pick around either way. I think that's the most valuable piece here. The only caveat I'm going to give you on it is in the expansion draft. I think Gonzalo Verón from the Red Bulls is going to be the best player available. I think he could be a good fit here. I mean, we get back to the Argentine connection. Um, I think he could fit into what Tata Martino wants to do. And Martino would obviously know him, I would expect. But the the thing about it, when it comes down to him, if that's who you want to get out of the expansion draft, I don't think Minnesota would take him. I don't know if they would, if they would value him as much as Atlanta would. So you might be able to risk it and go super draft first. And then if Minnesota say they take expansion draft second, they still might not take the player you want. Yeah, and I'm in the camp with you. I want Super Draft first. Um, I think, and we've gone over this, and you've said it. I think that's where you find that imp- that instant impact is absolutely right there. If you if it if it is to be had, it is to be had right there. Um, and I, I mean, everything else falls where it where it does. I think you can just because you don't get the Super Draft. Let's say you flip the coin, they take Super Draft first, and say they take a guy like Ibobis who. I am in love with, but it's not the end of the world. If you don't get it, you can still make waves with the second pick for sure. You can still make waves in the expansion draft, uh, uh, the waiver reentry draft. Um, what, what would you take second? If, if Minnesota wins the coin flip and takes the super draft first, then what would you pick? Um, well, I mean, I'm taking, I would go with the expansion draft. And if you're talking about who I would take second in the super draft, I haven't looked closely. Yeah, enough. not I mean, not so much. There's a lot of options. I think, and that's I would the, be tempted to draft. trade. I would be tempted to trade it if there's no clear cut option that fits me immediately. I'd be tempted to see what I could get for it. Could be. I think there's going to be some defenders available who yeah. could step in and start day one, and that's something right now that the roster is going to need. I would actually go allocation order second. If if I if I lose the coin toss and Minnesota goes super draft, I would go allocation order second, just because I think it could be more valuable in the long run. Um, if you sit and look at it, all right, I think the top picks in each one, Tim Ream is probably the guy who's going to come off the allocation list first and rejoin the league. I think Gonzalo Verón is probably the best player who's going to be in the expansion draft. And Jeremy Jeremy Ebbabees is going to be the top player in the Super Draft. Um, if you're looking at it, at it that way, I think Ebbabees is the most valuable of those pieces you can get. I probably think Reem is second, and that, that's completely fair. And then Verone, and I think that one of the reasons why I might diminish Verone's value to Atlanta United is the rumors that we'll talk about in a bit, because 
they might already have other ideas at how to fill that position. And then Verone's not as valuable to you. And then the allocation order becomes a bigger deal. Yeah. It's, there's still a lot of moving pieces. We'll get to potentially one or two of the moving pieces here in just a second, but um, yeah, there's just so many moving pieces that are still an issue here that your priorities and your needs are going to change by the time we actually get to this. So maybe that is something you do. I still, regardless, I'm taking first in the super draft if I can, because yeah, then I can, you know, there, there, there are playmakers up top. Like I said, even if it gets second, I'd be tempted to see what someone would give me for it. See if someone values it more than I do. Um, this, this super draft and, and it's still, you know, it's not even, well, it might be about midway through the college season now. Uh, we don't know who the generation Adidas signings are going to be, but just from an early dive into who could be available, I think it's going to be a fairly deep draft. I think most of the first round picks could step in and play a good bit of minutes in year one. Um, so I I think this, this college pool, there's going to be one, I think that the super draft might be a little more valuable this year than it would be in other years. And two, I think there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing on draft day and in the lead up to draft day. So having, you know, you're going to have the number one and number two pick anyway, but they become either a tool to add a potentially special player like Ebelbees or a valuable tool to get a lot of things back in a trade. And you can actually, and it's kind of dated now because things do change, but, uh, uh, Mr. Edmiston actually wrote an article uh, back in May. If you want to head up over to Dirty South Soccer and get an idea of some of the names you might see, uh, you can look forward to possibly coming off the board in the draft. But like you said, if it's a super deep draft, and I think there's talent beyond the number one and two spot, then I'm yeah, I'm absolutely in the mode of what is someone willing to offer for this pick? Maybe maybe gain still gain value in that super draft and gain more value down the line, whether it's through picks, players, target allocated money, anything like that. Um, something like, in a, in a way that I could, you know, buy down players. There's, the MLS is such a rat's nest of chaos that there's a lot of ways you can help yourself. And we'll kind of, this coin flip, I think, lays out kind of the road, but it all, at the same time, it doesn't. It throws it down on the table and we still have to piece it together. But at least we know what, what road goes where, we just don't know where it leads. Yeah, the the super draft to me is is going to be the the most valuable thing here. I mean, I, I constantly look back at what Philadelphia did this year and the jump that they've made, and you have to look at them. You know, the trades they pulled off to get three picks out of the top six and got two starting defenders in Josh Yarrow and Keegan Rosenberry and Fabian Herbers, who has been a really good midfielder for them. That's three players that have joined their starting lineup and had a huge impact in year one. That's a big deal. And I think this draft this year might be even better. So if you have the number one or two pick and you trade down and pick up other stuff and pick up multiple picks, you might be able to really jumpstart this roster um, in a big way. It's the Bill Belichick method, honestly. Yeah, it is. You, you, you know, you can drop down, pick up more picks. Uh, not just in the sense of you're throwing bodies 
on the field like you would in an expansion draft like we've seen in the past like Orlando did where they just were taking projects and taking like flyers on people and oh, we can throw that body out there defense doesn't matter no that's fine um it's not like that you can find impact players especially if it ends up being a very deep draft um I'm still in the Ibo beast train but if it doesn't happen um it's not the end of the world this is the bottom so, line to me it's, so we're- it's not the end of the world yeah, I, I totally agree. So we're going to go on record and say that Atlanta United should look at what the New England Patriots have done. Don't look at what Thomas Dimitrov and the front office for the Falcons has done in, on draft day. Oh, I, I don't know. This last two years have actually... There's parts of the last two years that have worked. Like, Tevin Coleman really worked. Uh, like that, yeah, it took, a, it took the, a year. That was the best, pa- best part of this week, was they asked um, Akeem Tlaib, who is always keeps it 100 over there in Denver. I said, like, did Atlanta expose and find the key to unlocking Denver's defense or Denver's defense? He said, yeah, if every team had a Tevin Coleman, sure. <laughs> like, unless you have a Tevin Coleman, no. Well, I I guess the thing is like, we can't take as long as it's taken Dimitrov to get the drafts, right? <laughs> so oh, no. we'd like to, we'd like to uh, have it strong from day one. So I really I just keep going back to the the college draft and it's funny because you know the the word on the street is generally that the college game is not conducive to developing pro talent and I mean on a whole I would agree but with the first round especially and possibly even deeper this year there's going to be players who can step straight into MLS rosters day 1 yeah there's absolutely enough depth for it. Um, and, you know, we'll have an update for you next week because we'll kind of know where a lot of this is going next week. And then I think we'll have a better idea where we can set our sights, what we can expect, what we can look for. Um, we'll have a better idea next week. And who knows? Maybe I don't mean it a bad way. I love you, Minnesota. You guys are really nice and really fun. Um, maybe they pick the wrong thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe they go discovery <laughs> option first. It, 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 it looked like discovery. They had sloppy handwriting. No big deal. Yeah, my list was upside down. I wrote it backwards. I mean, <laughs> I used a mirror like Da Vinci. Well, the rule it is on the table now because this happened in 2014 when Christ said the wrong thing first, and then they started describing what he had chosen, and he's like, "Oh, wait a minute, that's not right," and and he asked to switch it because he said what he wanted to switch it to. I mean, it was just awful poker playing out of Jason Christ, and he okay. said, you know. No, I meant the NASL USL ranking. Yeah. And they're like, no, you can't switch. You already made your pick. So you, if you make the mistake and you put it out there, it's out there. You can't switch it. Exactly. So that's fine. Um, anyway, so let's move on. And uh, we have semi-breaking news. Do, do we have a semi-breaking news sounder? Um, I can kind of slow it down and make it sound if, if we want. <laughs> make um, it chop, chopped and screwed. Yeah, uh, so here's the deal. Tonight, this is Thursday, you're listening to this on Friday because time travel is a real thing. Uh, There's reports out of Argentina. Of course there is because we have an Argentine coach and an Argentine designated player that Atlanta United is interested in a couple of Argentine players because of course they are. Uh, Fernando uh, Bejushi, forgive me if I'm butchering that, Bejushi? Bejushi? Yeah. Yeah, Argentine pronunciation is something I'm still working on. Uh, and Federico Carrizo, 
These are two players from Argentina who have been linked with Atlanta United this evening. It's kind of getting picked up now with the Argentine press. I first saw it come across a line on one of the Atlanta United prospect Twitter accounts and uh, started researching, which for me, researching involves holding up my phone with Google Translate and looking at the tweets and trying to discern the words that I can't pick up as I'm relearning Spanish. So I don't know how that works for you. Um, I, I know enough to be dangerous with it. and no, that, That's where I'm at. And there's still a couple of words. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can definitely read and he, and hear it and understand it better than I can speak it, but I'm working on it. Um, I, these, these two, two potential signings are, are different. Um, one's more in the prime of his career and Carrizo and Bejushi is, is 33, a little bit older, a uh, ton of experience, but both are, are really strong players that we're talking about. And what I loved digging into this was one of the tweets from, I believe it's a Boca account and they were following one of the many Argentine uh, soccer radio shows that is all up and down the dial out of, especially Buenos Aires. And it appears that it was, uh, might have been Hernan Castillo who said this on, on air talking about Tata Martino and Carrizo, especially because he's a, a Boca player right now. And he said, uh, Tienen mucha plata. He said, They have a lot of money. That is our new hashtag for Atlanta United. Congratulations. Hashtag, hashtag mucha plata. Absolutely. Like, it has to happen. It has to happen. It's going to be y'all watch and mucha plata. Uh, I like the combination of the two. I think that works. Oh, so. I, I am shamelessly pushing y'all watch. So for, for anybody out there listening to the Peachtree post, and we're on Twitter too, we're at Peachtree underscore post, Re- reply to us with a hashtag y'all watch and a hashtag mucha plata, and we know you're you're on board with us. Yeah, absolutely. That is, we are legion, and you're helping. <laughs> so uh, let's dig into uh, Carrizo and Beijushi. Let's, um, let's start with the veteran. Let's start with Beijushi. So, 33 years old. His contract's up in the summer. Um, he, there is an option year on it, and he's with San Lorenzo right now. What jumped out to me immediately was that he started his career at Newell's. So, he would be a player that would be very familiar to Tata Martino, to Tata Martino's staff, uh, with all of the connections to Newell's old boys. He's won trophies all over the world. Um, I looked at his transfer played- marked. It looks like... It's just covered in trophies. Oh, his passport's going to be amazing. Um, so he had the, his most games at Porto and at Bursa Sport. So he's played in a lot of different places. He It seems like in his career he played wide more in his younger days, and he's been transitioning to more of a center mid or a playmaker, Trey Cartista, um, as, as his career's gone on. So... One of the things he's noted for is he's he's very technical, he's savvy, um, small, quick, but he's a great playmaker, and he he makes things happen, and he has good movement off the ball too. Is something that I've seen consistently mentioned about him. No, I have as well, and that's um, I noticed that one of the first things I noticed, and I told you is I looked up his highlights, and one of the first highlights I saw is them playing in what looked like a monsoon. And he's just collecting souls left and right. I mean, <laughs> just terrorizing people. Like, just playing, because the ball would hit the ground, just, just drops in the slop. And he just 
popping the ball up in the air, going over people's heads around their back, just having fun. Um, just really rude things to do to other human beings. <laughs> like we, we have rules as a society for this reason. Um, but yeah, it's, um, he's a guy who has shifted more into the middle as he's gotten older. He is capped by the national team, uh, five caps, no goals. Um, don't think he's still that guy, but so far he's played a couple games this year. He's already had an impact down there. Uh, for his club team, San Lorenzo, they were playing in the uh, Copa Sudamericana. In the first leg he played, they lost their first leg match. They won their second leg match and they advanced into the round of 16. He had two assists in the second leg match, which is what you want out of someone in his position. Um, And he scored a goal in his first league match. So, I mean, there's... From what I've gathered, he's a playmaker. And But if you give him a couple yards of space and give him time to set up his right foot, he's going to take that shot on goal and he's not shy in the least. Yeah, the, the, that's exactly it from what I could tell. Um, more assists than goals, and that's what you'll see more of out of him, but he can score as well. I, I think something to keep in mind as we uh, become a Newell's or Argentine outpost uh, with Atlanta United is a lot of their attacking players. <laughs> Newell's North. Newell's North. Hey, I'll take Newell's North. That's cool. Um, a lot of their attacking players are very versatile in where they can play in the attack. And Bejushi and Carrizo and Vishalba all kind of fit into that. Like, you know, there was a lot of talk when Vishalba was signed, like, oh, well, where does he play? Is he a forward? Is he a right winger? Is he, you know, what is he? He, he is what you need him to be. You know, he's, I think he's a little more of a wide player, but could he be on the right? Could he be on the left? He could play either. Carrizo is the same way. Bejushi is, seems like an even more versatile player, but he's went from being that wide player to more of a central player. But he could be a second striker. He could be a playmaker. He could be a, a central mid. Um, I don't know if he's quite a box-to-box, but he can play a lot of different roles. And that's typical with Argentine attacking players who can who can bounce around. I mean, look at Lionel Messi. Messi can play wide, central, as a false nine, as a striker, Messi whatever. Messi do whatever it's, you want. Messi does whatever and, he wants. But that's a lot of Argentine attacking players. So, you know, don't don't get too worried about like, oh, Carrizo plays some on the right side. So why are we wanting to sign him when we have Vishalba? He can slide over to the left. Vishalba could slide over to the left. They could flip-flop during the game five times. Yeah. Just that's kind of where we're going. So be ready for that sort of stuff. Don't get too hung up on on positions, you know, a detailed position list. Worry more about kind of roles and where they fit. Yeah, that's um, that's one thing I noticed with uh, with Carrizo is that he, because most of the clips I saw him on, he honestly a lot of the highlights I saw him on, he was coming on the off the right, but he loved to cut inside. I I only saw a few, and most of them actually these were on the left when he would kind of uh play down the wing. When he was on the when he was on the uh, left, he'd play down the wing a good bit, but he also was very willing to he was very willing to cut inside especially on the right and make that kind of late run into the box. I saw a couple goals where he was not really poaching but making a late run in the box unmarked and basically doing the equivalent of a one-timer where they just kind of roll it over to him and he just whip it into the goal. And whether he plays the left or right, you know, these guys are professionals, they can do multiple things. They're not 
held completely to one position and shackled down. We're going to see that a lot, I think, with these teams as uh, Martino puts them together is guys who are flexible. They can move around. Hell, you might see him or Vijalba kind of move up and play in, an, in you know as a striker, as a supporting striker even. Definitely. I mean, you could see, see Vijalba or see a Carrizo play wide in a three-man front line. They could play in the midfield as a winger. They could play as a second striker underneath a Kenwin Jones. And that's they, they do what the situation calls for and what the what the opponent gives you. So, again, I think just keep that in mind when, we're, when we start talking about these guys. It's more about role than, like, hard-line position. Um, the thing about Carrizo that jumped out, I mean, watching, watching highlights on him is very comfortable with both feet. Um, very comfortable scoring in different ways. I mean, he could score the the first time finish. He could score off a dribbling run. His movement off the ball was was pretty good. He was finding himself in good spots pretty consistently. He is another player who came up in Rosario in Martino's hometown, but he played for the rival Rosario Central, um, Newell's you know hardcore rival. Uh, it's where he started his career. He went to Boca. He spent the uh, 2015 fall season in, in Mexico on loan to Cruz Azul, and now he's back at Boca. He's been used off the bench so far this season for Boca Juniors, so he might be a player that they would be willing to part with. And I don't know, you know, what type of transfer fee we're talking about here. The both players are valued, and transfer market is just a good guide. I mean, the numbers are definitely not exact. Yeah, it's not concrete. Yeah, they were both valued at two million pounds, if I'm not correct, if, if I'm not mistaken. Eh, the pound is so, falling anyway. It's fine. <laughs> Somewhere in there. Hashtag um, oh wow! Now we're getting into that one. Ah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna stay out of that one. Uh, I, I hope that's the first question to Wayne Rooney when he comes here. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Brexit? <laughs> what are your thoughts on Brexit? And don't start the Wayne Rooney to Atlanta stuff again, please. Nah. No, I'm not about that. I told you he's he's got to go to Minnesota and just I, we, as we talked about Wayne Rooney ice fishing in Minnesota. That could be the greatest image of the 2017 MLS season. And while listening to the audiobook version of Fargo, that's North Dakota. Doesn't matter. Oh wow! Okay, the the Minnesota hate mail needs to go to hashtag Jarrett Smith, not me. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> that's just your opinion. <laughs> um. So anyway, back to these guys. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Carrizo, Bejushi, um, both you know interesting signings. Both guys, again, I think we we've said it a few times. Like, you know, who is Martino going to sign? And I think the the guys that are going to have huge impact that he's going to bring in are guys that we probably don't know much about straight away. You know, it's not going to be a Lionel Messi or Zlatan or, or, you know, a massive player like that. It's going to be a Federico Carrizo who is 25 years old, who is at a club like Boca, but not playing. Yeah. He has not finished a game this year, except when he came on as a sub, he started a game, got pulled off at the 68th minute, I believe. And then uh, the second game came on as a sub. Okay. Uh, 90. Okay. So he's he's kind of in the mix, but not really. And you know, I don't know what his salary is at, and I don't know what you could get his salary at here in Atlanta and MLS. But he's a player who could come into this league and light it up. 
And same with Beishushi when you're getting a, a player who's 33 and been around the world and he could be that creative force like a Piatti in a lot of ways who can score and set things up um, and kind of be the, the the driver of the bus. So, you know, these are going to be the players who make a huge difference in MLS. It's not always the massive megastar that, that drives whatever team they're on. It can be these types of players who are extremely good and typically from South America or Central America who are not as well known until they come here and light it up. Yeah, that's and that's that's the thing. I had to research these guys when I saw the names come across. Like, who the hell are these guys? And I had to go to Transfermarkt, go check out uh, Twitter, Adventure into Argentine Soccer Twitter, which is something I haven't done in a while. And I was not those. Those trails have been overgrown. I did not bring a machete for this. Um, and I had to go on, like going onto YouTube and like, oh, well, eh, we'll, we'll figure this out, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm they're, they're the kind of, you're right. Those are the kind of guys that fit. The more I looked at them, I'm like, these would be really nice additions. I would be down for both of these. Um, whether it's one or both, um, plenty of money. Plenty of money to spend. Hashtag mucha plata. Hashtag mucha plata. Um, so, uh, anything else you have to add on these, uh, gentlemen? No, um, be digging more, um, get you a little bit more. I think the biggest thing about Carrizo, if I could put it down to one thing is, you know, maybe not quite Fishalba speed, but speed. So well, speed is like, is like uh ludicrous speed. So Carrizo would be like TI speed. Well, that too i mean i was actually going, i was actually going <laughs> baseballs but yeah we can go there um so i mean uh, he's kind of light so, speed and vijalba is kind of ludicrous speed fair enough um, and bejushi is kind of that it's just that central midfield engine you know not he he can score he can assist like he's not a defensive guy he's not you know I don't think he's really a, a box to box but he's an engine in a different way we have Chris McCann for those things also knocking people down well McCann would knock everybody down and then give the ball to Bejushi and then he can do whatever he wants yeah exactly he is the link he's that link to the attack which is what he's become later in his career and I'm fine with that yeah and and that's what I want to dig into a little bit more because I'm not sure if if that's the best way to put it because. He's, he's not like a link, like you see Michael Bradley play that type of role a lot of times where, and where, you know, Bradley will play the ball that then becomes the assists, like the hockey assists. I think Bejushi is more of the assist or the goal scorer, like a step further upfield, but it's a little hard to tell. And that's, that's something we're trying to figure out more and more. That's I think Michael he, Bradley is not giving the ball away in the midfield. We might can get to that in a little bit. Uh, that's a good tease. Um, finish your thought. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, we're we're going to learn more about these guys. We're going to keep up with these rumors. So, you know, be on the lookout for Twitter and uh, myself and, and Jarrett and the Peachtree Post and the Dirty South uh, Twitter accounts for any breaking news that might come up on these guys. And just knowing the Argentine media world and the radio shows and the, the websites down there, there's going to be stuff coming out. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. They, they love the, they, it's gotten, I think it's gotten for me the point, like they, this is, this is, they, they do this like we do college football. It's, it's Absolutely. a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle choice. So that's, um, yeah. 
Yeah, when you're in, you're all the way in. Yeah, which is great for me. I I think it's enjoyable. Um, so where do you want to go next? Uh, do you want to go into Michael Bradley, or do you want to go into Michael Bradley's team at home? <laughs> let's let's start with Michael Bradley's club team first. Okay, there we go. Um. So MLS, we're like we said, we're we're getting into the last two weeks. We had the last games before the the weekend tonight, and we do have a brand new supporter shield leader in the Colorado Rapids. Oh, I need my trouble. Uh, they're only a point back. I'm not um, even. I'm not even. I'm not even on the books as pulling for. I don't think Dallas is going to win the title. I'm already on the record as thinking they're not going to win it, but. I want them to have the treble shot. Absolutely. I'd love to see it. Um, so they're a point back. They host Seattle on Sunday and Colorado goes to Portland and Portland is in desperate need of victories at this point. They're two points out of the playoffs. So, I mean, you'd have to give advantage Dallas in that scenario, even though they're hosting a hot Seattle Sounders team, you think they'd get the win at home and, and, Colorado getting a win in Portland. Ah, that's tough. Portland is really good at home. Yeah. Um, Portland's fun at home. My favorite part of all of this right now is Seattle's in fourth place. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> Zombie Sounders have just, not only have they crawled out of the grave and killed the grave digger himself, they've, they've just decided to take over the city. It's it's just nuts at this point. A, um, they they could have clinched the playoff spot if they had won Wednesday. That that was what was blowing my mind. And they had a scoreless draw with Houston, which was pretty ugly. So hypothetically, what I'm looking at here, um, and this crossed my mind earlier, looking at the standings, if they jump the Galaxy, um, and if Portland can jump Sporting Kansas City, you would have a one-off game in Seattle between Portland and Seattle in the playoffs first round. That would be pretty epic. <laughs> We'd have to have, you'd have like Turkish prison officers out there keeping them separate. Ooh. It looked like a Fenerbahce game against Galatasaray. Ay ay ay. And that's um. And then in that instance, you would have um probably the Galaxy and Real Salt Lake, which would still be fun. So, what do you think about Portland right now? Um, I've read some stuff coming out of of Portland fans on Twitter and just Portland chatter about. You know, the discussion is, has, has Caleb Porter been a success? And, you know, it's kind of weird thinking, oh, well, they won MLS Cup last year. Why are we questioning if Caleb Porter's a success? But he seems either you, you go deep or you don't make the playoffs. There's not like a steady thing going on with, with Portland. Like they had the Western Conference uh, best record one year, then they didn't make the playoffs. Then they won MLS Cup. Now they might not make the playoffs. What do you think about Porter and Portland as a whole? Um, you know what? They just got eliminated, I know, but it's kind of got that San Francisco Giants feel to it, the even year thing, until the curse got broken this yeah. year. Um, just that they're still dangerous, and they're that team that I think when we were at the uh, when we were at the game at Pace, I think I went on record saying that uh, in front of you and Eric both, like if they get in, I would take them because they're that team that traditionally, if they get in they're going to wreck shop one way or another. It might be like hashtag like Cardinal devil magic kind of thing. But if they get in, they wreck shop. Um, I don't think you can call him a failure. I mean, I think, 
I, I wouldn't fire him if that's what you're asking. Like, yeah, I think that's really harsh. I, I agree. Like, right now you're out because for okay, Portland's had some letdowns. They also uh, happen to be the victim of Seattle's rise from the grave after firing their longtime coach. But don't please don't fire him thinking that, oh, we'll just bring in our own replacement coach and rise from the grave. No, no, you won't. You remember you went to only a couple weeks ago, you invited Seattle into your home and you put a shotgun through their stomach mm-hmm. in what could have been like, I remember I watched that game. That could have been like a 7-1, 7-2 game. Like you're absolutely capable of being an amazing club and you don't really, I don't think you really need to. You don't need to put it all together or blow it all up and then try and put it all back together. Even Caleb Porter said, I think it was during that game in the locker room, like this is a second half of the year team. This is a team that pulls it together at the end. And I think that's, that's what you've kind of come to expect. And if you're okay with that being a team that you're winning trophies, a lot of teams would kill to be winning trophies. Um, And if you're okay with, you know, the occasional, we might miss the playoffs you know, the, our pets heads might fall off at the last minute, but if they don't, our pets are going to grow into tigers and eat everyone. Like that's a, that's a rough way to live, but there are also trophies at the end of that road. If you're going to make changes, um, it's the same philosophy I have for college football. If you're going to make a change, you better damn well make sure that it's an improvement because Porter has trophies for you. So you don't want to become Houston. Right. And that's not to say that Porter is Owen Coyle. Oh, yeah, that, that's harsh. No, I don't mean that um, at least. I mean, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you're going to make a change, you better make an improvement. Good point. I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, what would you prefer? And looking at what Atlanta could turn into, you know, what would you prefer? The, the old Braves type of model where they were good, but not championship good? So they were constantly getting into the playoffs, but you kind of knew like they're not good enough to win the trophy or what Portland and the giants is another way to, to describe it as a team that is absolutely capable of winning a trophy, but is a little more up and down. I, I like the chance of a trophy. I like the chance of a trophy too. And it's, and I, I blame myself because I brought that comparison in the first place. Baseball is such a weird comparison just because in the MLS, there's different opportunities for trophies. It's not like baseball where you have a World Series trophy, that's it. Anything short of that, uh, 31 teams are going to be disappointed at the end of the year. There's a chance that with the MLS, three teams are going to be happy instead of just one. That's not to say the, uh, you know you don't want all three like you know Dallas has a shot for. Um, but there's different levels of, oh, well, we won the Supporters' Shield this year. That's disappointing we you know, fell apart in the playoffs or something. Or, you know, we won the U.S. Open Cup. There's different trophies, and I think there's different ways to measure your success. You'll always want that MLS playoff. You know, you'll want the cup. Everybody's going to want the cup. But I think I want trophies. I mean, if you are a team that is like the Braves, like you said, going in every year, let's say they're top two, like, oh, they get to skip the first round every year. And then they get dusted in a, uh, they get dusted in their tie in the first tie or the second tie. That's not, I mean, that that's going to get old really quickly with people. I think they'd take volatility and success over consistent good, not great. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I think, like you said, with MLS giving you multiple chances at trophies, even in those bad years where 
you know, you might not make the playoffs. You might struggle to get the last spot. You can still go after the U.S. Open Cup. You can, you know, you'll have other chances at stuff even in a bad season. I mean, the the 2013 D.C. United season was the worst in league history, and they won the Open Cup somehow. Well, I mean, you can so, you can look at it and go, well, the dumpster is on fire. Our pets' heads have completely fallen off. So let's put all our resources to winning this U.S. Open Cup. Let's get by these pesky NASL teams that are fun to watch and fun, and not fun to play, I imagine. And let's go after that. Like you can kind of position yourself, right? So what it comes down to, there's there's two games left. Kansas City has a two point lead on Portland. Um. Kansas City this weekend is at Salt Lake on Sunday at 5 o'clock. Portland is hosting Colorado. And then the final weekend, let's take a look. I'm pulling it up as well. I'm just not on pace with you. Um, wow, I'm missing it. Galaxy's playing Dallas. Uh, Sporting Kansas City plays San Jose. Okay. Uh, who, who can't, who Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, San Jose is done. Um See Vancouver and Portland have last week. Portland has Vancouver, who's out. That's, but that's a game they have. Like you can't tell me Vancouver wouldn't want to ruin Portland's life. Yeah, yeah, they get a rivalry game there at the end. So Seattle I has mean, Salt Lake. So I mean, they they could be fighting off Salt Lake. We could be looking at a shot at a chance where like Seattle Salt Lake could be a who gets to host their uh, who gets to host the game. Like, yeah, it's it's going to be tricky all the way around. But I think this last spot, I, I mean, I would like to think that Seattle and Salt Lake are, are comfortable now with a spot. Um, I think it's really down to Kansas City and Portland. And on paper, the schedule probably lends itself to, to Kansas City having the advantage. I mean, Portland's got to host the Supporter Shield leaders right now and then – do they go to Vancouver or are they hosting the final week? Uh, looks like they're hosting, but uh, don't quote me on that. Okay. So, yeah, the MLS schedule page is being a little funky here. Uh, MLS, sorry about that. Um, if Portland's at home, that'll help them. Uh, but they have two tough opponents. So, I'd probably think Kansas City sneaks in and Portland is is sitting on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's about that, – that's fair. Um but like I said, if Portland gets in, and I want, I now I, now I feel foolish going on the record for that. If Portland gets in, they're like my they're my pick to wreck shop. Um, and like so, like I said, Seattle and Salt Lake could be a lot of fun because those are the four and the five right now. I mean, they'd be playing each yeah. other in that first round. That could decide where it's played. And you know, I don't, I don't personally, I don't want to go play a one off game in Seattle. Like I don't want to no. do that. No, not at all. That's that's not where you want to go and have to get a result. I'm not about um, that life. No. So on the Eastern side, uh, New England is the last team with a shout at crossing the red line. They're three points back from Philly, four points back from DC. Do you think they have a, a real chance here? New England. Let's see. Let's see what New England has for the last week. Um I got to pull it up. Sorry. Uh, New England has Montreal. So, you know, good luck. Um, they, they do go to Chicago this week. Do they? I completely missed that. Yeah. So that, that helps a little bit. Um, Chicago is just awful and still makes me really upset that they're so bad. 
I didn't see that they went to Chicago this week. Yeah, they they had out there three o'clock on Sunday. Um, looking at Philadelphia, they host Orlando this weekend. Yeah, and Orlando um, is you know done done. Like pour one out for Orlando and their defense. Yeah, because they, they sure host, the, won't. And then Philly hosts the Red Bulls the final week, which which the the Red Bulls could be playing for a top spot or potentially a first round bye, depending on Toronto. Yeah. Cause I mean, the Red Bulls, New York city FC and Toronto are all within three, all within two points of each other. Yeah. Like three points or three teams, two points. Someone's going to have to play a one-off game against potentially Philadelphia or new England. And you don't want that. You want that week off. I'm still in on uh, NYC FC when in the East and I did go on the record, and I was kind of surprised the words came out of my mouth, but I did say NYCFC would win MLS Cup, and I'm going to stick with that. Well, you own that, because I owned Portland, so what do I know? Um, (laughs) Uh, NYCFC, they they go to D.C. this weekend, and they host Columbus on the final weekend. So it's set up pretty well for them to get four to six points out of that and win the East. Yeah, and that puts them in a good spot. I think, I mean, wouldn't it, it be a blast to have a uh, Red Bulls, New York City FC Eastern Conference final? That would be pretty epic. And you know Garber would do backflips for that. <laughs> I mean, he would probably don't, flip. Don't even put that into the universe. <laughs> um, no, actually, but no, seriously, though, that's, they would love, the league would love that. Um, oh, it'd be a great story. I, and I hope one of those games is like a 7 nothing beatdown. <laughs> I don't care who, but just like they just take all the fun out of it for one game, and that rivalry just turns into a curb stomping for ninety minutes. Oh, oh. it's it's going to be fun. I mean, MLS playoff soccer is it's just amazing to watch. If I think I say it almost every week, if you haven't watched MLS playoff soccer, watch it this year. Get ready for it because that's what we're going to hopefully have here soon in Atlanta. And it's just another level of intensity. I mean, if you thought like if you're an Atlanta sports fan, you've seen some Atlanta sports things. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Atlanta Inc. is a thing. This is a city that likes to break hearts and is cursed. Um, And I've seen some MLS teams do some things that I've never thought Atlanta teams could come close to doing. Uh, Go look at the first goal last year in the MLS Cup. Like I thought there was a gas leak and I had hallucinated it. (laughs) But Portland scored on just like, the stupidest goal in like the second minute like oh we're this so this is how it's going down it's all right the the intensity the pressure everything is just ratcheted up to a whole nother level so you know get ready for it watch watch the season the knockout games are are crazy in the first round and then you get into the drama of the the two leg series and it's it's great stuff and and that's what i always point at when when people you know bang the pro rail gong at me and say, Oh, well, there's nothing to play for or there's no excitement or whatever. Watch the playoffs. It's, it's fun. It's a fun watch for games. You're neutral. It can break your heart or make you the happiest person alive. If it's your team. So I can't wait for the playoffs to get started. No, neither can I. Um, so, you know, by next week we'll have an idea of what we're looking at more. So I think we'll have it not entirely nailed down, but the, the die will be mostly cast and we can go from there. Yeah, we'll know the stories to watch on Decision Day. And I really like how MLS is starting to 
to make a big deal of these last couple of weeks and these, you know, playoff positioning matchups uh, with this week having all the Eastern games at one time, all the Western games at one time, having a pregame and a postgame show on YouTube. Then on the final day, all the games start at the same time and having all the wraparound coverage and all that's awesome. And I want more of that from MLS. I want them to make the competition itself and the games a big deal. Yeah. And by doing all of the stuff around it, that's, that's the perception it gives to fans. So that's what I want to see the league push more in that direction. Absolutely. I agree. Um, I wanted to, I, I hope one day it is kind of like an, college football thing like college football Saturday where you can not necessarily saying everyone would do this but where you could conceivably just build your day around watching games the playoffs the playoffs will do that and but I mean every Saturday or every Sunday yeah it's uh, it's a little bit hard to do it every week but just the way the schedules work and your national TV contracts but the playoffs and that's where it gets amazing because I did it last year and like you need like a cooler next to you on the couch. You you need to prepare. You have to really do some thought before you get into this day because you'll have four games back to back to back to back starting at like one o'clock all the way through the, the last game on the West coast, which will start at like nine 30 or something. And it's especially the second legs. It's just crazy drama for the whole day and it's absolute insanity. So I can't wait for that stuff. I'm I'm all about it. So, um, hey, let's get off the let's get off the club teams and go to the national teams because that's never disappointed us. <sighs> hey, uh, on the on the plus side, uh, Sasha's playing well. Sasha's playing well, did, but did you, it'll probably be a disappointment in the end because he won't start against Mexico. The Julian Green hype train um, has it pulled into the station in DC. Uh, I think I said it added on a sleeper car while there, and you can buy tickets at the box. And he'll probably get a nice pat on the back and a seat at the end of the bench against Mexico. And he absolutely probably should not have scored that goal because the keeper should not have gotten beat near post. Yeah, that was. But the thing about that goal, and I hope people noticed it, it was the overlapping run from Kellen Acosta. Dude made a 60, 70 yard run to come up and help Green because I was watching it when they the, the live you see green dribbling on the defender and the defender just keeps backing off and backing off and backing off. And you're like, what is he doing? Like he's giving him all, all day. And when I show the replay and you see that run from Acosta, which the defender sees, he's terrified of the, he has to play it because he doesn't know where green's going. Yeah. So he just has to keep backing off and it made it easy for green. And those are the little things that, you know, Acosta doesn't get an assist there, but he absolutely created that goal. Yeah. Um, Still don't get beaten near post. That's the thing. No, no, never, never. Don't do that. Um, and that's the thing, by the way, uh, a 60, 70 yard run next time. If, if you've never, you know, thought about how much these guys run, if you've never seen the stats at the end of a game, how much you run in soccer, go out on your nearest football field and just get loose first. Please don't pull anything. Line up at the goal line and run 60 yards. I mean, sprint 60 yards. And, uh, you know, you don't have to sprint for 90 minutes, but sprint that 60 yards and then spend, you know, 70 plus minutes running around at various intensities. That's it's really impressive. Like This is this is a physical. This is peak physical performance that, I, that I'm always impressed by. Anytime somebody makes like a 60, 70 yard run I'm like that's really that's really well done. 
it's it's a game changer. I mean, in that case, it the easy thing for Kellen Acosta left back in that position would be uh, just let Julian take him one v one and see what happens. And Acosta saw the opportunity and took it and and put his body on the line and and made the run. So you need more of that. And another player who I think showed some of that type of intensity was Lyndon Gooch. He brought a, a big spark off the bench, and that game desperately needed it because it's rare to see a U.S. national team look so disinterested. Um, yeah, and that was what I took away from a lot of it was like they just seem – everything felt like it was – it was kind of like I was hoping we were past these days where everything looks like in the midfield, like it's running in syrup. Here's, here's why I think that happened. Um, and it's, it's a problem to keep in mind as we play better teams. And it's not a new problem. No, it's um, not. I was, I was having deja vu in a bad way. Yeah. It, it was a bit of a new problem with question on the field, but in, in the beginning, so New Zealand took it to us. New Zealand had a game plan. They came in. They're going to press. They're going to you know, force the back line especially to have to play under pressure. And they're going to play direct to their forward, uh, Wood, who had a great game. Um, and they knew what they were going to do. They had an identity. The U.S. did not. You know, The U.S. wasn't sitting back and trying to counter. They weren't on the front foot. They weren't trying to keep possession. They were just there. Yeah, they looked like they had not prepared for that strategy and didn't have a strategy in hand to deal with it. It's just vanilla. Like, it's just there. there's nothing to it. And that happens too often with the U.S. When we started to get out of it and when we got out of it in the last round of qualifiers when Question kind of came back into things was when we found Sasha on the ball because Sasha's not a typical number 10. And I've seen some discussion about this that I think focuses a little bit too much on his, on where he is on the field, as opposed to what he does. He's the creative, he's the creator. He's the, you know, the playmaker, but not from standing behind the forwards and just passing the ball. Like he, his movement He's very savvy. He's very good with his first touch. He knows he's always a step ahead. And that's the thing about question that when we were able to find him, when we were able to play through him was when we had offense. Other than that, we had nothing because you try to play direct and Josie would would be out wide. You, you know, try to play short and the midfield wasn't giving the defenders an option to, to build out of the back. So it was just, no system except for when the ball would get to Sasha. And if you go back and you look at the chances in that game, almost all of them question was involved in some way. Yeah. And that, and that doesn't even get into the fact of like Yarborough trying to do his best calamity James impression. And if there's one, if there's one national team, I don't want to impersonate it's England. Yeah. True. <laughs> also, and, also, Bill Hamid is sixth or seventh on the U.S. keeping roster, and <laughs> yeah, and that that did make me throw something. I'm not gonna lie. Like, my life is forfeit at this point. I, I, I saw that quote, and I did throw something across the room because I still think Bill Hamid could be the best American goalkeeper of all time if he continues his development. And to come out and say that as a national team manager, and to say that one of your top promising young goalkeepers is sixth or seventh on the depth chart before a game in his home stadium when you called him in and didn't play him um, 
why are you why are you being a jerk? I mean, there's just have, really no other way around it. You might as well have brought in Landon Donovan to keep. Oh, jeez. I mean, no, seriously. Like, what's the? You're right. What's the point? Why have him in if he's if he's sixth or seventh? Why did you invite him? Why did you waste why him? Invite, why invite him? Why tell the media sixth or seventh? Why do that in his home stadium? Why? Like, what is the point? Why do you come out after? And this this is the stuff that is maddening about Klinsman to me. Why? Do you come out after these games and say, "Oh yeah, DeAndre Yedlin had a had a poor camp"? When you play him as a right forward, I mean, yes, he had a poor game because he doesn't play that position on a regular basis. He was running around trying to figure out how to play it in the game. I mean, you could see it. He was running around trying to make something happen, which is a good thing. But he's, he's, he's not that player. I mean, you basically put a polar bear in the desert and told him to go live his life. It's out. Of, he's out. Of, he's out of position. He's not comfortable. That was a good one. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, like you put him out of position. He's not comfortable. He doesn't really know. It's not to say he can't do it. I mean, he's a talented player. He wouldn't be, you know, on the national team. Wouldn't be playing international ball if he wasn't capable of figuring these kinds of things out. But you know, he's good at what he does. So let him do what he does. Play him it right back. You don't have a better right back. And Michael Orozco, he, he takes a ton of criticism. He was he was fine. He wasn't great. He had some mistakes in the second half. He was fine. He was probably better than I expected at right back. He, I, he's not better than DeAndre yet. No, he's not. And I think a lot of it with him, and I know it is with me personally, my issue with him is that he... Um, he, he had those he had a, just a couple really stink, real stinkers in the last year that I really yeah. think set negatively with everybody. And while I think that he's better than that, I don't think he's great, but I think he's better, certainly better than what he, uh, than what he was there. Um, that's everyone's impression. And it's going to take, it's one of those things like it takes one play to ruin your reputation. It's going to take a lot of games to fix it. Yeah. I mean, and Michael Bradley's kind of in that role right now too, where oh, Michael you know, Bradley he- is always on my whooping list. Anything Bradley does that, you know, if he has one bad pass out of 80, that's all that we zero in on. It's like, oh, Bradley can't connect any passes. Well, the stats showed that he, you know, had a 85% completion percentage in his passing. Oh, well, that's not good enough. Well, wait a minute. No, I mean, Bradley's fine at what he does. I don't have an issue with Bradley in general. He's just on my whipping list in general because, like, of the little mistakes he makes. Because of that perception, yeah. Yeah. I think with Bradley, what what Klinsman should figure out based off the last few you know, months of his performance, but this is asking Klinsman to figure something out, is that Bradley's a six. He is a defensive midfielder, and I think it works best for the team right now if he plays the six by himself, or at least he knows that Okay, if it's if he's paired with Jermaine Jones, for example, Jermaine Jones is going to go on a walkabout, and you don't know where he's going to end up. <laughs> but he's probably going to make something good happen. I mean, Jones is crazy to watch because you're like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Oh, he just scored a world class goal. I just pictured Jermaine Jones through the outback, and he comes back with a didgeridoo in his hand and just slots in a goal for no reason. <laughs> Jermaine Jones would score a goal with a didgeridoo for sure. He just shows up and Klinsman just stands there and nods. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So if Bradley's paired with him, he knows. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm paired with him, but he's not going to be here. I'm going to be the sixth. Yeah. So 
he, he needs to play that role. I think that's what works best. That's then you can have Sasha and you can have somebody else in that midfield. And Bedoya is a pretty good fit for that other role who can kind of play back and forth, be a little more box to box. There's other guys who can fit that role too. Um, these are things like going into this Mexico and Costa Rica games to open the hex in a month. I don't feel any better about it than I did after the last round of qualifiers. I probably feel worse after these two games. I don't know why these opponents were picked. I don't know what these games did to help the team. I don't know what Klinsman was trying to get out of this camp. That's what I, I don't took- know what he was trying to get out of these lineups. Like it was like, what? What's the point? That's what I took away from a lot of this was people saying the same thing. Why did this happen? Why did these teams play? Why did these games happen in the first place? What was the benefit? Like, find me the positive in all of this happening. Like, it's great you got Gooch out on the field and he looked good and you've like you, you he's there. He's here now. Good, great. Um, what else did you accomplish other than, you know, that's not to say that Yarborough went great. Like, what is Yarborough's confidence like right now? Why did you play DeAndre Yedlin up at right forward? I'm half surprised you didn't play Omar Gonzalez at like target striker, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, if he had, I would have just been like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes at this point. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, sure, whatever, dude. Like he's gonna he, he, he's gonna call on Wando for the Mexico game. Like we know we know the script. We've seen the script. Like it's 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 been leaked. It's been leaked by life, and by the past. So I'm with. I, just, it's, I don't get it. I don't get why. Okay, the Cuba game, great story, great thing politically. Played on a minefield. What, yeah, what did that game do for you? All all I learned out of that game was okay, Jermaine or not Jermaine Jones. I, I'm I'm back to the walkabout. <laughs> Julian Green really stepped up and showed a new level of maturity, and and he was the only one who seemed like he really wanted to play in that cow pasture. That's very generous of you to call it a cow pasture. Yeah, it yeah, was not. It wasn't it was the bad. field. It wasn't like there was again. What was the ben- what? Where was the positive in all of? This? What was the point of that game? I don't know. Um, I got the game. The game in D.C. I mean, okay, it's New Zealand. I know they tried to get Ghana, and there was some problem with getting Ghana for that game. Either one. You're telling me an African nation had an issue? <laughs> yeah, shocking. Um, either one. Like, okay, does New Zealand or Ghana or Cuba play anything like Mexico or Costa Rica? No. No, you're just better off getting getting one of them. Getting, I mean, either okay. find someone who fits the form or don't do it. Getting Honduras, getting even a lesser version of it, like an El Salvador or Guatemala, like getting somebody like that. If you're going to do these games, you're going to try to get some out of it. That's who was available. I mean, it was a tough, tough window because you couldn't get a South American team because they had World Cup qualifying. You couldn't get UEFA because of qualifying. Uh, You couldn't get Asian teams for the most part because of qualifying. So... You were kind of limited. Get a CONCACAF team that can at least give you a reasonable facsimile of what you might face with Costa Rica. Preferably not one that kicks your midfielder in the face. (laughs) And then Jurgen screams obscenities and everyone in the world hears them. That was the greatest moment of Jurgen Klinsmann's tenure as the U.S. national team coach. (laughs) I think my favorite part was him sitting on the field. There's there's been no whistle. And uh, I think it was Twelman is just absolutely having an aneurysm in the booth 
Like, why? How is that not a foul? He's laying there. His hand is covered in blood. His head is covered. In, he's currently bleeding on the field. His blood is soiling Cuba. And there's no foul. And Twelman's having an aneurysm. Klinsman's having an aneurysm. That was that was the high point of the game. Other than yeah, like you said, Julian Green, who I would love Julian Green to be great. The hype train is real, and that's fun. Um, does he feature against Mexico? Does Klinsman kind of does he revert back to what he's always done? Does he kind of go back to what he's done but incorporate new things? Um, do we get like a Bobby Wood up front, uh, Pulisic out on the left? Like, what does he do? Who knows? Because I learned nothing from these games. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, nothing. I have more questions now. I, this is not what you want to go into this this last round of qualifying. You don't want to create questions for yourself. No, I learned I want to watch a New Zealand rugby game in DC. That's what I learned. <laughs> like I saw the I, All Blacks, I'm like we should like have a Jonah Lomu tribute game up there. I just love that that Jurgen Klinsmann made Ian Dark apologize to the American public for his actions. That that was great. Oh man. Anyway. It probably should happen more often. Yeah. So uh man. Anyway, uh, we'll get off the wagon for a second. Um so we'll get we'll keep up with everything. Um who do you think uh, let me ask you before we wrap up, as we're kind of at the end of everything, um, who do you think's in goal against Mexico? Tim Howard. Forever. Um uh, he's playing really well. No, I, I mean, mean no, I, he is. I'm not I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying he's gonna be there forever. At this point, I mean, he he came back to Colorado and he's done really, really well. Uh, I think he, I think the team has more confidence in front of him. I think he's playing at a high level right now. I mean, obviously things can change in the next month, but you know, as as maddening as it is to just publicly blast a player like Bill Hamid and say that he's sixth or seventh on the depth chart. The goalkeeper depth chart really means nothing at this point because you have Howard and Guzan who are going to be one and two for the foreseeable future. So beyond that, it doesn't really matter just strategy wise on if you want to have a a veteran like a Nick Ramondo as your number three because of the locker room presence or whatever. Or the fact or that he's you, just good. Well, I mean, but the number three doesn't matter yeah. is what I'm saying. Like, I'd rather him have it. It has no bearing between Howard and Guzan are going to be one and two or one and one a whatever whatever Klinsman wants to call it that week, but it's not going to matter because those are your two guys who are going to play. The number three, you either bring in a Ramondo because he's a good guy and he fits the group, or you bring in a young guy who's going to be there in the next cycle. So like a Horvath, like a Bill Hamid. Um, you do something like that. So the third keeper, not from a playing perspective, but it's just strategy, what you want to do with it. And with Klinsman, I don't know what he wants to do with much of anybody on the roster, let alone the third goalkeeper. Well, at this point, Tim Howard's career, by the time he's done, will just read like uh, years of service. It's just going to say Demarcus Beasley with a scientific notation next to it. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, I, Howard, I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan Um but he's played really well since coming to the Rapids. And if if the Mexico game was tomorrow, he would be my starter. No no questions asked. Yeah, absolutely. I have no problem with that at all. Um so yeah, I got I got no beef at all with Tower being in goal. I mean, he's your starter for now until until you decide you want to like stick to somebody else. You're gonna keep going to Howard's just please start 
preparing somebody for the future because Tim Howard's career does not go on uh, into his mid forties. So let's just I'm, Howard's Howard's playing really well right now, and Guzan hasn't really grabbed the number one spot totally. So Howard's out playing him right now. He's the guy you play, and I mean Howard can absolutely get through the 2018 World Cup. Right, if you look at him right now, he can. Now, when you're getting to this age, things can change quickly. But right now, I would consider him through this cycle. And then what's next after that? Is it Guzan or is it a Horvath? Or it's not going to be Bill Hamid because he's got six players to jump on the death chart. <laughs> it's probably five, and the sixth one's just theoretical. He's <laughs> just probably telling him that. Um, but uh, we'll... You know, we'll keep you up to date. Anything breaks, we've got you covered. Um, follow Jason, follow myself. Check us out on Dirty South. Check out Dirty South itself. Uh, but yeah, that about wraps it up this week, Jason. Um, you know, lots of stuff going on. So it broke late I mean, too, and it made me happy. Yeah, I mean the the Argentine players. There's been other players started to be rumored um, for Tata Martino and Atlanta United. So Tata should be arriving in Atlanta soon. I think. There was hope that he could be there on on Sunday for the priority draft. I haven't heard an update on that, so I don't know if they've got his visa sorted out and everything's worked out. Oh, they're going to start the coin flip, and his music's going to kick in. Jr. is going to announce him. It's going to be it's going to be fun. That's he's just going to he's he's just going to march in and demand the coin flip. <laughs> I can go with this. Um, so so be on the lookout. We've got on um, Dirty South Soccer tomorrow, we've got a roundtable of all the writers with their opinions on the priority draft and what their first pick would be. Uh, on Sunday, immediately after the priority draft, I'll be on Dirty South Soccer's Facebook page, uh, Facebook Live, discussing what happened and kind of what we might have learned. I think... You know, based off some of how the picks go, we might have a better idea of some of the players or some of the things Atlanta United is looking for. So I'll be on there roughly sometime between 2.30 or 3 o'clock, depending on when they actually do the, the coin flip. Um, and next week, it'll just keep ramping up with more and more. I think once Tata gets here, you're going to see more and more rumors about who he's looking at, who he wants to bring to Atlanta United for 2017. Yeah, and... Um yeah, that's basically the key here is keep it plugged in Dirty South Soccer. One of the things you can do, if you haven't done it already, go to Dirty South Soccer's Facebook page and you can turn on the notifications. Um, if you haven't turned them off, don't turn them off if you haven't for Dirty South Soccer. And you can be alerted when we're going to be live, when Jason's going to be talking about all this, not only just uh, after the coin flip, but next week with the ATL Soccer Chats going forward anytime we jump on live with anything breaking. But of course, always check us out, Peachtree Post. You can find us on Twitter. You can find each of us on Twitter again. Jason Longshore is at Longshoe. I'm Jarrett underscore Smith. Check out Dirty South Soccer as well. Check out Mouths at the South. Got you covered as well during the week and keeping you up to date with some of the players already on roster over there in the Charleston area. We're on iTunes. Uh, Stitcher, Jason, forgive me if I'm missing any things we're on. Uh, Overcast? Yeah, I think we're on Overcast as well. Uh, cool. Hey, we blowing up, y'all. Y'all watch. Um, but for Jason Longshore, I'm Jarrett Smith. Thanks for another week. We'll catch you next week on the Peachtree Post. Hashtag Mucha Plata. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.